What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. This is cornerback Cam Johnson. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me, once again, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, you know. Uh, games no longer phase me, mm. you know, so I wake up every day. You're a veteran. <laughs> You've been through the wars. A vet of losses. You've seen the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Nothing. You're on the sideline now, and you see an interception. You don't even. You don't even think don't twice. Even flinch. You're like, oh, touchdown. I just, I just, I Listen. laugh. I laugh in, in its face. You know. Mm, I yes. just say, give me more of this. Mm, yes. More suffering. Yep. Eight, nineteen-year-old Colin would have been like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. panicking. Mm-hmm. But now look at you, mm-hmm. a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Twenty-three-year-old, bonafide. <laughs> Just badass, you know. <laughs> Interceptions don't phase me. Missed throws badass. don't phase me. Oh my uh, god! Fourth and one don't phase mm-hmm. me anymore. You know, None uh, of those. never missed off field goals. Mm-mm. I think that was that was most of it. Uh, uh, linebackers uh, trying to cover a receiver. Mm. There was a lot. There yeah. was a lot. Don't give away all our content for free. All right. I'm not giving away for free. I'm just saying that these are these are things that the listeners need to get used to, you know? Oh man. When you think about it. Never mind. I'll say this later. Okay. 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 Let me let me introduce our podcast. So hello everybody. Um we are speaking to y'all. This is a Sunday at around two o'clock. Um, two PM, I should say, not two AM like we've done before. Um, after Charlotte defeated North Texas forty nine to twenty one. Uh, we came into the game with kind of similar predictions. Colin had Charlotte winning by 14. I had Charlotte winning by six. The line was three or three and a half or so uh, for Charlotte. Wait, what? I didn't have Charlotte winning by six. I said I had them winning by six. You had them by 14. Oh. Pretty sure I said that right. Regardless. Um, and we need to do our recap of the game. Oh, yeah. As many seconds as North Texas scored points. North Texas only scored 21 points. Like I said, 49-21. Good luck. So um, there's a lot to cover here and a lot that I will not cover. But don't y'all worry. We have – well, after we do this, then we'll get into, you know, our kind of analysis and whatnot. And we'll go from there. Go. North Texas looked awful once again. Austin Ani started at quarterback. Austin Ani started at quarterback. 23-43. Uh, for three touchdowns, one pick. Jalen Darden, by far the star of the night. I want to spend my time on him. 13 receptions, 244 yards, three touchdowns. North Texas went 3-13 in on third downs, and Latrell said it was awful. And, um, yeah, Charlotte basically did whatever they want. There you go. There you go. Charlotte did whatever they want. That, that, I think that was basically the summary of the game, and I have no problem saying that. I think that was a pretty accurate depiction there. Um, but, yeah, we're going to get into – our analysis of the game, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, then we have a lot of questions. Thank you all for your questions. Should we start with what we did like? Sure. But because that's probably not sure, a lot. Sure, sure, sure. But, um, yeah, we have a lot of questions. I have a couple points I want to make. Colin, I know Colin has a couple point, points he wants to make. And we'll get you all out of here with enough time to enjoy your, your weekend and, you know, maybe for listening on a Monday. The end of the weekend? Yeah. 
Exactly. Or on a Monday or whatever. Whenever All I'm going to say this. is that it's a good thing that most places don't sell alcohol on Sundays. Mm. Mm-hmm. People be loading up in Denton. They might have. They might have actually did it last night before yeah. after the game. Don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't underestimate them. <laughs> don't underestimate them. Now, let's start. Let's start. Let's just start with the offense because that's usually where we start with. Um, and we'll save the kind of defensive flushing <laughs> for for later in the podcast. Okay. But let's start with the offense. Okay. Because Austin Ani started at quarterback, played the entire game. Um, went 23 of 43, 382 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Like, if you look at that on paper, that's a pretty damn good game. That is a very, I mean, the completion percentage you wish was higher, but 382 yards, I mean, 146 uh, QB rating. You can't ask for too much more from Austin Ani. We came into this game saying, you know, as long as Austin Ani controls the offense and he does what he needs to do, like, even if he's not putting up the 400 yards, like, it's still going to be productive. Well, he put up basically 400 yards, yet the offense was still, it was, all right, I think before we get into Austin, actually, let's talk about Austin first, and then I'll go into my secondary point. What, what did you like from Austin? I loved everything about Austin Ali. Okay. It was, it was everything I wanted from him and more yesterday, and unfortunately, okay, let's, let's, let's just go over Austin first. Yes, that's awesome. I love that he was able to to be to do well under pressure. He escaped the pocket. He had that touch, the touchdown throw to Jalen Darden. Is like, I think it was his third, t- second or third touchdown. Mm-hmm. Second one when he when the center just or mostly got just got destroyed and he yeah. kind of ran out of the pocket and threw it. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's something that Mason couldn't have done in the past just because you know Mason wasn't as mobile and that he's able to escape and play under pressure. I think that's very important, especially when he's going to be forced to have to, you know, kind of make something happen out of nothing. Secondly, he put up the numbers, and I don't think anyone expected almost 400 yards and three touchdowns from Oni. I mean, I think that every you and I included thought that the run game was supposed to carry this offense, and we've seen the exact opposite so far. And I guess that kind of leads into the why the offense was bad, and I think that's just the run game not doing a whole lot for them. Yeah, I mean, to go back to Austin for a second, um, we know Latrell loves his quarterbacks, and we know Latrell's going to give his quarterbacks ample opportunity to succeed. And at the end of the day, Austin was was good. I, I don't think he was great. I think he missed some throws. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think he was about as good as you can ask him to be. And I think yep. that at the end of the day, that's what this offense needs. And so if we look at the first, I believe it was four of the first five drives, he leads North Texas down the field and into scoring position. It is on. I think I wrote this. I don't remember where I wrote this. I think it was the halftime uh, piece. But when you take away that verticality threat from North Texas and Austin Ani specifically, that's where it gets difficult for him. And so whenever you get deeper into the field, into the red zone, for instance, and defenses start to converge a little bit more, start to press you a little bit more. That's where you have to be accurate. You have to be on time. You can't, you know, be as lax in a sense. And Austin, while he is good, he's not Mason Fine level of execution. Mm -hmm. And that's where the shortcoming comes from him. And that's why they get in the red zone and they end up with zero points on their first three red zone trips. Because they just had to settle for a field goal, had to fail on a fourth, fourth and one, and missed another field goal. And obviously they should have made field goals, but even if they make those field goals, they score six points in three drives. Yeah. That's not good. 
it, considering red zone possessions. Right. You <clears> need <throat> to convert at least one of those to touchdowns. It, and hopefully you can convert the other two into field goals, if not at least one into field goals. You should be walking away with about 10 points out of three possessions. I would and say they that, walked out with zero. I would say that you can't blame Austin for what happened on the, those drives, though. I don't think they gave him the opportunity to throw in the end zone. Okay, well, if they didn't, then they didn't trust him. Right, but at some point, you can't just keep running it four times in a row. Well, I don't. I'm not just talking about the fourth and one. I'm, I'm not talking about the fourth and one either. I'm, I'm on that, on that first, the first or the second time down on, I guess, it might have been the first time down. Mm-hmm. They just ran it three times in a row after trying to throw it. Then they ran it three times in a row. Then on the other end, they ran it four times in a row. You're gonna make me get the drive chart out. Please. Charlotte 18, first down. Trey Siggers rushed for one yard. Second and nine, Austin Ani rushed for two yards, which I'm, I believe is a dropback. They didn't have any design runs for Austin. Um, so that's a dropback. Then Austin Ani rushed for no gain. That's another dropback. So that's three. So that's two two passes out of three on the first drive. Second drive. Uh, sorry, the third drive of the game. They get into the Charlotte 13. Where's the first down? Here it is. DeAndre Toy rush. Trey Rush, Trey Rush, Trey Rush. So that was the second possession. I think that's what you just said. Mm-hmm. And then where's the second quarter? Where's the second quarter? Hold on. Second quarter, North Texas gets into... Mm, here it is. Here it is. First down, Tory Rush for five yards. Second down, Austin passed to JD for no gain. Uh, Austin only passed incomplete to JD. And then Ethan Mooney misses field goal. So it's a give and take. I think they did a balance of both of them. And I mean, at the end of the day, what I just named five dropbacks for Austinani here. Like, yeah, but I mean, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not putting it. I'm not expecting the run game here to break. I yes, I want more consistency from the run game, and we'll get to that in a second. But at the end of the day, Austinani, whether we like it or not, is being asked to do a lot of what Mason had to do in the red zone, in as far as execution goes. Yes, right. He's going to have to make these throws. He's going to have to be on time with these throws. He's going to have to have chemistry. He's going to have to know what he's looking for. He's going to have to have the reads. And I think that's just way I think that's just a lot for him to kind of digest at once in his first second start of his career. Second start, yeah. So while I do again, I credit Austinani for having a very good game. He had a good game as well as I could have asked for. That's where it starts to show is when the field shrinks and you have to be more precise. Mm-hmm. You can't can't rely on Jalen Darden deep threat or Jalen Darden here or there like they can key in on guys more so and that's where it showed for me obviously they should have got the fourth and one they should have ran the ball better as well but with Austin on he's throwing the ball 40 plus times a game they need him to be precise yeah in those in those plays um speaking of the rushing game DeAndre Torrey once again was the bell cow he ended. I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> it's a common phrase. It's I've never heard phrase. it. But Dodger okay. Torrey ends with 14 rushes for 89 yards. Trey Sager's nine rushes for 20 yards. Um, again, Oscar Attaway was out. I didn't. The running game wasn't good, but I didn't expect them to run the ball against Charlotte. So maybe that's a bailout. I don't know, but I didn't expect them to run the ball. I mean, I didn't either. But you, on a fourth and one, you need to get it. <laughs> yes. Um. Do you, do you just want to talk about the short yardage situation? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, after the game, Coach Luttrell basically said, "I'm not going to change that call. 
I trust my guys to pick up one yard. Uh, we are have a good enough offensive line. We have good running backs. We should be able to pick up a yard. We should be able to pick up two yards when we need one. That's what he said. Um, the obvious reaction to that was, well, you haven't picked up two yards when you needed one. In fact, you haven't even picked up one yard when you needed one. And what was your reaction, Colin, to, to hearing or seeing that quote, I guess, rather? At some point, you got to throw in the towel on, on that. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. You can always sit up here and say, yes, we need to get two yards no matter what. We have Trey Siggers. We have a pretty good offensive line. But when you don't get it, at the beginning of the game, on a fourth and fourth and one, or it was third and one, or something like that, and then you run four times in a row, and then don't get yeah, it again. I read it off. I read it off. Well, it I know, but they they had another one with the QB sneak that we thought they were gonna do. Remember? It was that play. It was that same drive. It was that that it was that one in Charlotte territory in the red zone. But that wasn't the four right times in a row. Yes, I just read it off to you. There was one on the other side. I literally just read it off to you, Colin. Why I remember you never the, listen to me. I'm saying I remember the other side when they were coming toward me, oh, which wow. would have been the third second quarter. Well, the one where I the one where I tweeted <laughs> predict the play and I said I hope it was QB sneak. It was, that was the initial fourth and one. Yes, that was the, there was two though. Okay, well you just referenced the first one, but continue. Um, yeah, I know I was. Okay, continue. All I'm saying is that you got to mix it up. We saw Charlotte mix it up a bunch. Yes. With with tons of stuff, they threw in, like they threw in their second string quarterback, and threw a touchdown to Chris Reynolds on a reverse pass. Yes, like where is the creativity at all? Charlotte, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. This is this is insane that I'm having to say this. Charlotte's offense is exactly how I want North Texas offense to look. Exactly. I'm not. I've never said that about. I don't think I've said about many other teams. But that exactly is what I want North Texas offense to look like. And it was because Charlotte's offense, I felt like, just had an identity to it. Mm -hmm. They pre-snap motioned like crazy. We watched FAU and they did the same thing. Tight ends moving around, receivers coming on on um, jet sweeps across the field. Um, they they had creativity. They brought in second string quarterback to run the ball, or to at least give a different look to run the ball, or give them an opportunity to to do something with the quarterback. There, they weren't afraid of that. The way that they used the receivers, I thought was very efficient, and they ran the ball downhill so well. And they took advantage of mismatches, like you said at the beginning of the podcast. They saw Kyla Powell on the field, and they have McAllister at running back, and they said, "All right, if they're in man." We're going to split out the safeties with the receivers, and then we're just going to jet McAllister right down the middle of the field, right past Kyla Powell. Katie Davis maybe could have covered that. Kyla Powell is not covering that, and that's the difference. And they just felt a step ahead continuously. And on, I don't know, um, hold on. where I was looking at something the other, oh, where was it, where was it, where was it? It was this one. Okay, on third, on third and shorts, Charlotte went, and short is one one to four yards. Mm -hmm. Charlotte went five of seven. North Texas went one of four. That tells you that that just that just shows you the lack of. I don't want to say the lack of toughness, but the lack of creativity on North Texas offense, and the fact that it's just become mundane. It's become the same thing. And DeAndre Torrey, again, as good as he is, he's not a big back. Mm -hmm. Trey Siggers, as good as he is, is not a big back. You, you, you're you recruiting big backs, but you don't have those right now. And one of four on third and shorts, 
is frankly unacceptable. And that is the reason they lost this game largely is because they go 3-13 of on third downs and they can't convert and they can't move the ball down the field after the initial four or five possessions. Yep. After that, then it was like the Jalen Darden show. Well, if Jalen Darden makes a play, then we score a touchdown. If not, we're not doing anything. Right. That's it, was, ex- that's, it was literally just Ani throwing it to Jalen. That was, was literally open. the rest of the game. Yep. And it was disgusting. Yep. And so, yes, I understand the mentality of wanting to get one yard and the belief in wanting to get one yard. However, especially on third and ones and third and twos, I think that sh- those should be 50-50. Those should be 50-50 pass runs. RPO maybe, you know, a Jalen Darden sweep off the edge or maybe have uh, the quarterback under center, Jalen Darden come behind him, fake handoff, handoff running back or handoff fake running back. Like just some stuff like that or maybe fake, fake, turn around and have the tight end or fake screen and the tight end. Like there's so much that if you just watch football and you're just like, oh. Stuart Charlotte did put in their fast dude on third and whatever. Wildcat formation. And Literally just, just the- anything else yeah. here. Because they know what they're going to do every time. They, they ran the play every single time they were in short. And it's – it's, I I'm, I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's beating a dead horse. We've yes. talked about this for three years now yes. in a row. And I we got our answer last night. We had our answer two years ago when Seth Control said, oh, that was me calling the, the third and one, the fourth and ones. We got that two years ago. Now we have him saying, I'm not changing that call. We, sh- we, know, we know what this is. Mm-hmm. We don't have to spend too much time on this. This is Seth the Trail being Seth the Trail. And the fullback inside of him, more importantly, the fullback inside of him saying, I'm getting one yard because I'm tougher than you. But at the end of the day, it's not just about toughness. It's about being smart. Mm-hmm. And that's just what this offense has not been. It hasn't outsmarted anybody. If they've won in the past, it's because they've had playmakers. It's not because they've outsmarted people or because Graham Harrell maybe has right. done, done the smart part of the offense <laughs> so we uh, it's it's on the trail moving forward uh from again the third downs which i praised last week if you remember i praised them going for 11 of 19 on third downs because that showed they were third and manageables and they were passing and they were moving the chains three of 13 is unacceptable yeah. absolutely unacceptable no i agree ridiculous okay did you have anything else there before we move on no to how just oh man the greatest receiver in North Texas history, Jalen Darden. You heard me. That's it. I want to know who who's better than him. If y'all nobody have one. is, nobody if y'all is. have one. I will take. You know, Jalen Guyton was really good that one year. The second year, he was okay. Rico Bussy had a really good last year, or had a really good junior year. Got injured the the, the senior year, unfortunately, and he also had a pretty good sophomore year too. But you get the point. This man has been consistently good. Since he was a freshman. Yeah. And mm. now he's on pace to probably put up over 90 catches in 10 games. Like, this man is insane. I I can't fathom how good he was last night because I've never seen anything like it in person. Uh, do you want to try to put, put into words how good he was? I felt like he was open every single time. <laughs> I mean, for me not being able to see, like, from above, yeah. literally every single throw was to him. And it first started on that, I guess, I think it was a slant at the very beginning and he caught it and then he just went for 30 yards and I was like okay yeah this is going to be that type of game yeah Charlotte brought pressure and he like you leave him in one-on-one coverage he's just going to give you a shake and he's yep. gone yep. and that led to that slant going for a, a big game uh then his uh, I think it was his first or second touch I think it was his first touchdown where he was manned up on the outside again give him a shake goes to the end zone then the other one where he did the uh had the 
the out route and then and then Wentz down the sideline when Ani rolled out, I believe it was that one, mm-hmm. where he with the out and go. And then he kind of like tripped he, outside. Yeah. The out of bounds. Yeah, that one. That should have been a touchdown. That one. I mean, then they had the third the, the third touchdown where he, they actually did some creativity and they brought him, which we've seen before. This isn't that creative. They brought him on a motion into the middle of the field and then boom, 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 turn, around, turn him around, snap the ball, just hope that he can beat the guys to the sideline. And he makes a beautiful move and scores a touchdown. I mean, all three touchdowns, he had... 244 receiving yards. Austin Oni had 382 yards passing. Yeah. Like, that is incredible. That's probably, what, 70% of the yards Austin Oni had? Something like that. He had 19 targets. Like, we're talking about a guy who had 20 targets last game. He's had 39 targets in the last two games. And he's brought down 26 of those. Like, this isn't just a guy who's catching the ball for... Uh, menial gains this isn't a, some slot receiver that is just getting five-yard receptions right like this isn't Cole Beasley with Cowboys three years ago where Dak just threw it to him to move to move like four or five yards this Jalen Darden is now at, I think 13 yards per reception yeah and I was completely wrong preseason saying that he couldn't break the top off of defense. and he has completely proven <laughs> you wrong he has completely he has proven me wrong added a, another element to his game which is insane just able to go vertical now and he's we were worried about this team without Jair Shore to move, uh, being vertical, and yet still Austin Ani is completing passes for what is that? It's like 15, 17 yards per uh, yards per completion. Like yeah, the the offense is still being explosive enough. Like I said earlier, it comes down to when you get into the tire situations, they're able to be explosive with these receivers, and it's largely because of Jalen Darden. Deontay Simpson had a fifty yard reception of his own, so that was I mean that was a good uh, impressive um, as well, but. Jalen Darden is easily the most valuable player on this off on this team. He's easily the best player on this team, and I'm ready if y'all are ready to start the campaign for him to be drafted. Because I, think, I don't think it'll take much campaign com- campaigning if he puts up 90 receptions and 1,200 yards, yeah, <laughs> and 15 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean he leads the nation now. Like, dude, he's at nine touchdown receptions. Three They're games. in four games. Three, four, four. three con. Yeah, yeah, one and three. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You made me hesitate. You made me hesitate. Uh, four games. I mean, you're telling me they play Middle Tennessee and UTEP the next two games. You don't think he's gonna get five touchdowns in those three two games? This true. dude is gonna put up it's insane true. numbers. That's true. Oh man, this is this is and being someone who obviously I talk to everybody on this team, right? Or I mean, this year it's different on Zoom, all this stuff. I've talked to him since he was a freshman. I'm pretty sure I remember doing a story or not a story on him specifically, but on him and the freshman as a freshman and how he was playing sophomore year i talked to him a bunch talked to him about video games talked to him about this and that junior year talked to him again seeing his growth Mm -hmm. has been incredible yeah and he is an incredible player and he is a skill position player that is going to be remembered more than i mean more than any other skill position player that's not a quarterback I mean, then you put him with up there with the Patrick Cobbs and the Jeffrey Wilsons and the Jamario Thomases and Lance Dunbar to an extent. Like, you put him in that conversation. Johnny Quinn. Yeah, Johnny Quinn. Like, you put him in that conversation. So, I am just in awe. I mean, punt returns as well. I mean, everything. When you think he hasn't done enough, then he's out here trying to make another dude miss, trying to pick up an extra two yards. Um, there's not enough good things I could see say about Jalen Darden besides he's the heart and soul of this team. He's the engine of this team. 
He is the entire. He is the offense right now. He's the only chance North Texas has at winning games. They need him to be good every single game in order to have a chance to win. And that's not an indictment on anyone else. That's just where this team is at right now. Yep. I I I, I wanted to, I just wanted that moment to to thank Jalen Darden for being that damn good because that is amazing, amazing, just amazing, amazing. Uh, other receivers that had good games: Deontay Simpson. Yeah, I was really upset that he couldn't outrun the. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was gonna get it, man. Uh, but um, he's he's come on as well. He's he's been yeah. having good good games. Um, he's been able to add a little bit of shiftiness to his game, whereas you know last year in those four or five games that he played, I don't remember however many games he played. Well, he played in all the games that Jair didn't play, but he didn't have a lot of receptions. Right. Um, he's added a lot to his game since mm-hmm. then, and I think that's promising i think that he's gonna be very very good and him and jair next year should still be will will be elite yeah so that's i'm not worried about them now outside of them nobody 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 and i am getting really tired of the miscommunications yeah how many were there last game like like blatant ones there were probably four or five yeah where on he threw thinking someone was there and it's just like yeah even the announcer was like past Intended for, I don't really know, Jalen yeah. Darden. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, yeah, they were like, because there are keys that quarterbacks and receivers has. Like if a safety is here, then they're going to be on a go. Or if he's here, then you're going to be on a post. Mm-hmm. And then if um, another one that we saw in the press box was where Greg White comes on a slant and they're in a zone. And so when they're in a zone, you usually sit in the zone in a pocket. You find the pocket and you sit in it. And Greg White just kept running. And so Austin threw it, and it was behind him, mm-hmm. and it was incomplete. And I'm like, Greg, just read the defense. Another, another, another one was uh, when they were going toward the scoreboard, and Greg came in on a comeback, and Oni threw to the end zone, and yep. Greg wasn't there. Yep, yep. It's um, no, that that is that is a that is an observation that we need to continue to watch because. That comes with being Austin Ani, and I think that comes back even further. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it comes back even further to not giving one person all the first-team reps, right? You're splitting first-team right. reps with Austin Ani and Bean. You're even starting Bean, and um, it turns out Austin Ani is the better quarterback or at least a better passer, and you you get kind of a late start, you know, mm-hmm. as if it wasn't a late enough start. You get right. a later start into getting this chemistry, and that's what Jalen Darden kind of said last uh, last uh, last night is that you know he's been working with Austin to try to iron out those uh, wrinkles in a sense. Um, offensive line, they did I pretty good. Was fine, yeah. I really, I mean, how many sacks did only one, give up? two, he, two? I don't remember the second one. Yeah, they only gave up. They only gave up two sacks, man. Yeah, I'm not mad at the offensive and I, line. I I never. I mean, there are moments, obviously. Where one person or two people will get blown up or something will go, will go wrong. Ani's mobility helps. But this isn't like last year but where. Yeah. Um, this isn't like Mason Fine literally probably had like two or three seconds to throw the ball max. Yeah. Austin's feeling like he has at least three seconds right now. It's like, and if it's not there, then he can move a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. not like it's collapsed on him. Mm-hmm. It's a different feeling right now. And that's very, very good because none of these offensive linemen are seniors right now. So that's 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 huge. It's it's um extremely impressive, and I'm I'm hopeful that that's at least going to give them a chance moving forward. Um, at least in the pass protection 
aspect of things, I think they've been very good. Run run blocking, we still need to see them um, grow and improve, and I think that'll come with time as young players like Chris Cassidy um, start to add more weight or get to where they want physically. Mm-hmm. Then it, Cole Brown on the on at left tackle as well. So um, I I think that from a pass protection standpoint, they've been very good. I will say that. Um, anything else on the offense? I'm trying to think. Um, as far as from a team perspective, anything? Uh, we've talked schematically. Um, is this is this all we see from the offense for the rest of the season? Here's my thing. I was, I'm high on the Charlotte defense. I really think the Charlotte no, defense I, I is agree. pretty good. So I'm not taken aback by how North Texas played offensively. Like I thought they actually moved the ball well in the first half, right? I no, think I they put up almost 300 yards in the first half because they were con- constantly moving the ball. They just missed a couple field goals and they couldn't, you know, convert third and fourth downs. So that wasn't really a concern for me. I thought the offense was actually decent. But I will say when they needed like the two yards or the one yard or they needed to get a third down, they weren't able to get that and that's always been a theme. Especially also and also and then even going to the second half they cut it to a two-score game. They mm-hmm. got the ball back, and they could not get that touchdown to cut it to a one. I think they got game. to a three and out. At, yeah, it at was that, a three and out. One. Yep. And they just couldn't get over that hump. And so it shows this offense is good, and they can be explosive at times. But they're not, you know, they're not elite. They're by any stretch of the imagination. They're not going to be this offense that's going to come put it up thirty-five plus in every conference game. Um, they play Middle Tennessee next week. I'm hopeful that they can drop that they score over 30 35 or so but at the end of the day it's going to be an offense that should do enough to win against teams like UTEP, Middle Tennessee, Rice, UTS, uh, maybe UTS Adam. However, that also requires defense. And that's where we have to get to. I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss anything else with this with this offense before we get to the defense. Uh how about the penalty? Do we have concerns about uh, Ethan Mooney? I mean, at the end of the day, what are my concerns? I mean, uh, what are my concerns? Not, I mean, there's because, not a whole. I mean, there's nothing we can really do. He's been a good kicker for a long time. Like, do you think there's kicks. a reason why he's missing him? I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't, I can't see the way the line is or anything from where I am. So, I mean, those are short kicks, and he just missed them. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, they were gonna lose this game anyways. So, uh, <laughs> not sure that how much of an impact it had, but. Um, you know, he's going to need to make field goals, and Ethan Mooney, I trust. I still trust Ethan Mooney. I will say that. I, I still believe in him. He's not Obviously, he's not as good as he was last year at this moment, but if he can just be, you know, somewhat consistent and make easy field goals, you know, he can't, mm-hmm. he can't be missing the 34 30, yards. Yeah, 35-yard field goals. He's got to be able to make those. So, All right, let's get to the defense because this has a lot more uh, spice to it, um, I suppose. Oh boy, let's click, click. Um, where to start? Where to start? Where to start? I know where to start, Bruni. Okay, where do you want to start? This Go is ahead. the worst defense that North Texas has had in at least five years. Okay. Let me hit you with some some numbers. Okay. So, North Texas so far against Houston Baptist allowed 569 yards. Against SMU, they allowed 710, which set a record, by the way. Yes. Uh, Southern Miss, they gave away 437, and last night, 599, not quite the 600. The 2015 year, when everyone considered that to be 
the worst defense in recent memory. They never allowed over 700 yards. The most they allowed was actually 670 against Portland State, where we all remember that game. After that, they only allowed over 500 one time and averaged against them about like 450. And that defense was awful. Yeah. You notice that? 155 points given up in three consecutive games is the second most in school history. Trails only 177 set by that 2015 team with Iowa, uh, Southern Miss, and Portland State. Second most in school history. Yep. Points allowed in three games. 155. Yep. Can anyone else fathom that number? That's 50, basically 52 points per game. And what's crazy? Games. Go ahead. So, and what's crazy about the similarities between that 2015 year and this year is in those same three games, you have an FCS school, you have a conference game and you have a team, you have an Iowa or an SMU. You want to hear another crazy thing to me? That's going back to, I guess my stat in that they've, in that they're not even playing offenses that are insane. That are that good. Yeah. Southern Miss and Charlotte. And I mean SMU is fine. I'm not saying. I mean yes, obviously. I mean they they're, put up seven or ten yards. Obviously they're good. I'm not saying they're not good. But sixty-five points and seven hundred ten yards, good. No, 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 no. That is a defense mm-hmm. that cannot stop anybody. That's what that is, and that is incredible. Just the fact that I have no faith in them holding any other any team on this schedule to under under thirty points. Incredible. A schedule that includes Middle Tennessee, UTEP, UAB, who doesn't even score. UTSA. Rice and UTSA. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll probably score like 31, those teams. Mm-hmm. Like, at least. Mm-hmm. Because Charlotte was damn near close to putting 50 up on them. They could have. 50. They could have They kneeled easily. it at the 20 with two minutes left. They almost they almost couldn't even run the clock out. There was so much time left. They tried kneeling. <laughs> they knelt the ball, and they could have easily put, attacked on another touchdown because North Texas – has zero resistance. And it's just 50 points to a Charlotte team. To just a Charlotte team we watched against FAU and Appalachian State. Granted, those are both much better teams than North Texas, but combined for, I think it was 39 points or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte's putting up 49 halfway through the fourth quarter against North Texas. How many yards per carry did they average? Uh, six point two, I believe. Let me find it. I oh, I thought you just you just auto six point two. Six point two. That is, that's god awful. I think that that yeah, man, there is there is nothing, and I mean this, and there is nothing positive you can say you can take away from that game last night. Go ahead, try it, try it. Find uh, me a positive. There's no positive. Find me a positive. <laughs> The only positive would have been they started out okay and then Katie Davis got injured. They need a lot more than Katie Davis. No, they do. I'm not I'm not and and what's worse about this, we all talked about the return of Tyreek Davis. Tyreek Davis wasn't even in the top four of tackling. Katie Davis's backup, Kyle of Howell, led the team in tackles. Then you had Mikhail Sanders, then you had Larry Nixon, and then you had Dion, who by the way had multiple tackles like by the sideline. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I, I I mean, is there anything else we can say though? Like we we've covered. No, this. I mean there, there's the, not. We, the, the defense is just bad. The 
we we did a whole video on their run run defense. Yeah, go check that out if you haven't watched that. Go to our YouTube, Mingering Twenty Four Seven. It's the last video we posted, and it is me twelve minutes, pretty simply, straightforward, breaking down the run defense. Be yep. like, oh, this is what they're doing. Yep. And guess what happened on Saturday? They did the exact same thing. You watch Dion Noville just run straight up field and. Deep offense is just running right around him as the linebackers are getting blocked. Yep. At some point, a defensive lineman has to take on two linemen. Slant. Do something. Mm-hmm. Make them just wait for a hold for a second. Also, here's a random thought. Has North Texas allowed a... Has North Texas forced a holding penalty all year? They had to have had. Obviously, they had to have. Sure, not I, a lot. I would <laughs> hope so. I just can't remember one because it's easy. the The other linemen are easily blocking. Maybe I think against- there was a receiver one actually last night. There was a receiver one from Charlotte. There was a receiver one from Charlotte. I don't. I'm not counting it. I'm talking from the offensive line. I, I think the only one that I can remember is from Houston Baptist. I feel like a lot of them are from receivers when North Texas plays. Regardless, it's it's that's just my point is that I feel like it's just easy and. I was on here yelling about that last week, so I I'm not I don't have the energy to yell about that again. Um, there's no point. We know what, we know what it is now. Yeah, there's there's no more questions. Yeah, if y'all had questions about what the defense is or what the defense what, struggles what with, can they can do. Go watch that 12 minute video. Yeah. <laughs> and that pretty straightforward tells you what the problem is. The linebackers getting swallowed up because the defensive line cannot occupy them, yep. and that is a schematic issue. That is on Clint Bowen. That is on Eric Mathis. That's on everybody. And yes, they had a shortened off off season to try to implement their their scheme. But I'm watching UTSA with Jeff Trailer and a host of other coaches hold the BYU to 27 points. Colin, 27 points as 34 point underdogs. 34 point underdogs, and they held them to 27 points and had a chance to win at the end if they recover an onside kick. We'll get into that in a second. I don't even want to start. I don't even want to start with how bad North Texas looks compared to everybody else. Let's just I just let's just talk about this defense. Is there I don't anything know what else, else to talk about? Is there anything about? else to say here? The only thing you can say, or I guess the only thing I'll ask you, is that 2015 team was a talent deficit at the core. Yes. Do you think if this is solely on the coaches? Do you think okay? We said it was always 50-50 with Refit. What is the percentage of Clint Bowen right now? You want another crazy thing? Is that this four game stretch might be worse than any reference stretch? I don't know if that's true. I'm In terms just of yards, it, it's got to be. Well, yards, yes, and points, it probably is too. Like you're, at, you've allowed what 190 points. In, well, you said it was second, so yeah, I guess it is. Well, yeah, that was in the three game stretch. So I'm talking in the four games. Oh, okay. so they've allowed 186 points in four games. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not as bad as a reference stretch somewhere. Regardless. I don't know what to say. I, I'm truly in awe because never would I have thought that the defense was going to be worse than last year. Right? Like, we thought Kyrie Muhammad, problem. Ty- Taylor Robinson, problem. Whether that was fair or not to them, they were kind of undersized. They were, weren't disciplined in the past. The corners, kind of problems, you know. Um, there wasn't the depth that you needed. And, at and that's the thing, too. You just brought that up. Discipline. This team is not had a lot of penalties on them defensively Say, yeah i mean like the corners I, I don't know the yeah. corners aren't yeah, doing like pass interference, pass interference on yeah. every long pass yeah. pass interference wise yes yeah i mean they're not getting they're not jumping off sides all the time it's just they can't do it 
they just can't defend. I mean, say what you will about Nick Harvey, but and we love Upton Stout. We love Upton Stout. We think he's a really good player. Nick Harvey was a 24 year old guy who played at A and M at Kyle. He was like six one. Six one. He wasn't six one. He was he was a little small. He was like five eleven. Oh okay. He was a little small. But yeah, point stands. Played at Kyle Field. Played at South Carolina. Like, dude has been there, and whether he could make plays or not is one thing. But he was a guy who had been there, and teams didn't. Upton Stout right now is kind of getting thrown at a lot. Yes. And it's probably because his size and because of his youth and because Charlotte has some big receivers. He made that great play on Cameron Dollar where Cameron Dollar came down with the ball in the end zone and Upton Stout swats it away. That's where he got hurt. Tremendous play about Upton Stout. And I actually don't think Upton Stout had a bad game. I think it's... I, but I do think he shows the reliance that this team is having on guys who are unproven. But I don't think... And I that's, don't... What, that's when you ask me from a, ta- from a talent perspective. I think that's what it comes down to more than talent. It's just guys who are unproven. And Deshaun Gaddy, again, we another guy we've raved about. I think he probably had his worst game of, of yeah, his career. Yeah, he got beat on that he, one got in the beat, middle he field. Didn't, he missed tackles. He was, not, he was not good last night. Like, if you go down the list... Devontae McCray was very quiet. Like, I didn't but, see him do anything. But I will say that the secondary is the least of this team's issues on defense. By default, sure. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, I mean, yes, where, if, the, if, where the problems begin. If you begin, don't have Katie Davis, if you don't have one of the Davises, the linebacking unit is done. And you could argue they already are with just one of them. I think, yeah. Well, I, I think if they have both of them, which we haven't seen besides Houston Baptist— which still wasn't very good, to be fair. But we haven't seen both Davis boys together, right? If you just take one of them out, it feels like it just falls off a cliff. Yeah. You put Kyle Powell in there. And again, Kyle Powell, we've talked about before on this podcast how he's good for what he is. Yeah, he's good in certain situations. He's a good run-stopping linebacker in a sense, in a situation where he's being aggressive and he has to make those plays. And... um. I don't I don't want to disparage him at all but he's he's not that fast, you know, he's kind of just a downhill type guy and put, putting him in instead of Katie Davis who we watched Katie Davis last last week in Southern Miss single-handedly stop multiple plays and single-handedly kind of keep North Texas defense like together. Mm-hmm. To go from that to Kyle Powell is just a big drop off. And so that's what I'm talking about right now is that Yes, the scheme is a problem. I just don't know. I'm probably putting it at coaching players. I'm probably putting it at 60. I still think the players are a problem too, though. I'm going to go 55-45 coaching. I still think it's a lot of players, though. I agree. I mean, to an extent. I I might go 60-40. I, 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 I'd say you're 60-40 more toward that only because we've seen other teams do it with not, do it not with not less. Time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But I'm just, I mean, you look at the, you look at the depth chart and it's like guys who have either never started before or starting early. Like if I read down this list of defensive players who had tackles last night, it's kind of staggering. Kyle Powell. I'm thinking of players who started last year. Almost none of these guys, Kyle Powell, Mikhail Sanders, Larry Nixon, Dion Noville, Tyreek Davis, Cam Johnson, Devontae McCray, Kevin Wood, Deshaun Gaddy, Upton Stout, Quinn Whitlock, um, Cortland Rossall, Kenneth Dotson. I thought Quinn Whitlock played John Davis. 
yeah, Quinn Quinn was was fine. Um, but I mean, I don't know. There's just not there's there's not the experience or the talent really, and then the scheme is is very worrisome to me. So, all right, well. I don't know. What I guess else there's no point in talking about defense ever again. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what else to say. It is just uh, incredible. It is incredible. It is incredible. Okay, Colin, you said you have some takes. Do you want to get one one or two of your takes off, or do you or do you want me to? Go well, the, one of the takes was, was that this is the worst the defense. defense. Okay, since twenty. Do you have anything else? Because I have one I can go to. No, you can go. You can go now. Because I had mine just a second ago. All right. I have two things. I will oh. start with I will start with one first because we've already talked about it. Colin Mitchell. Colin Mitchell. Me. I don't know what you're gonna say. <laughs> let me get my let me get on my phone real quick. Okay. Let me get on my phone. Pull out the let me pull out the phone. Alright. So I go to my phone, I go to ESPN app, and I go to Conference USA scores. Mm. Okay. Here we go. Okay. UTSA will play BYU. We talked about this. UTSA lost twenty-seven to twenty. They mm-hmm. was within they were within a touchdown the entire game, mm-hmm. and BYU was at twenty until like the last four or five minutes. Great showing from UTSA. Middle Tennessee played FIU. Middle Tennessee at zero and four on the road at FIU beat them 31-28. FIU is not a bad team. We we talked about that before the season how they not bad. Butch Davis. They have some guys um, on offense, especially. UTEP played Louisiana Tech on the road. Charlotte played them last week. Yes. Charlotte played who last week? La Tech, right? No, FAU. They played FAU. Oh, I'm thinking of Southern Miss. Don't get your red team confused. Uh, uh. (laughs) Okay. UTEP played Louisiana Tech on the road. We're down seven, lost 17 to 21. And again, we're right there the entire game. Mm -hmm. Entire game. Great showing from UTEP. Louisiana Tech, somewhat concerning, but, you know, Louisiana Tech's going to be perfectly fine. They've been good all year. Marshall and Western Kentucky. This is probably the worst result. Western Kentucky loses 38-14. to 14. However, earlier this season, if you look at other results, Western Kentucky beat Middle Tennessee, lost to Liberty by six. Liberty's not, not a bad team. And lost to Louisville by two touchdowns. So some respectable results in there. Then you get down here. To Charlotte, North Texas. Charlotte, again, 0-2 coming in. Lost to App State. Lost to FAU. Respectable results there. North Texas has not had a respectable result all season. Not even a win. I'm not talking wins. I'm talking respectable result. And these other teams here are playing their asses off mm-hmm. just to be close. UTEP? UTEP? Is fighting with La Tech. If you, if UTEP can put up a fight against La Tech, not even a new coach. Dana Dimmel's still there. I don't know who their quarterback is. They have Jacob Cowing on the outside. Cool. They have Deion Hankins. Cool. But talent-wise, North Texas is still better. And that North Texas team that we saw last night, you're telling me can put up a fight with La Tech? Are you saying they would have... Could they have done that, what UTEP did? No. 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 They wouldn't have. They just they wouldn't have. Like, it's just, it's a different animal. If we go back another week, UTSA, again, fights with UAB. Eight, only loses by eight. So, Southern Miss comes in and beats North Texas. Like, these teams are just posting impressive results. Like, every team, I feel like, has at least one result to hang their hat on. 
something that they can be like, all right, we did this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what we can do. This is what we're capable of. North Texas just does not have that, and they look so embarrassing right now compared to their peers in Conference USA that I told you last night, if there was a power ranking of Conference USA, North Texas has to be last. Are they the worst team in FBS? Uh, I don't know, because Louisiana, I think, is pretty bad, and then I don't know, like, other schools are bad, too. But I'm, I'm, not, even, I'm not worried about FBS, Colin. I'm worried about Conference USA, because that's all that matters at this moment is Conference USA. And I told you, if there's a Conference USA power ranking, there's no one else you could put at the bottom. That's true. And I'm not even I'm not even saying that as far as like record goes. Like, yeah, sure, UTEP's uh three and two now, but we don't expect them to be good. But at least they're fighting. Yeah. Like there's nothing you can say about this North Texas team that they can hang their hats on. And I'm sitting here watching watching UTSA, who I guaranteed people. I looked them in the face and I said, BYU's gonna beat them by forty five. <laughs> And what do they do? They go out and make me look like an idiot and almost beat BYU or at least come close to beating BYU. Yep. Like, that is such an impressive result. Like, that is something you can build off of. And there's just nothing that this team has been able to build off of at this moment. And the same thing with Louisiana Tech versus UTEP. I told you, I'm like, man, I'm putting all my money on UTEP, on Louisiana Tech. Adrian Hardy, all these guys, Justin Henderson. UTEP fights with them, gets mm-hmm. in a legitimate game. Like, there's nobody here that you can look and say, like, oh, they should, you know, be embarrassed. FIU's only played two games. They lost to Liberty by two. But they were there. Liberty. Liberty's not bad. Like, Liberty's not bad at all. And they lost by two. And then they lose to Middle Tennessee by three. Like, it's just, it's just, there's just a certain will. There's a certain motivation. There's a certain persona. And then there's a certain pride that you have to have. I said this before the game. I wrote this in the preview. I wrote, said this in our uh, pregame Twitter breakdown. I said, you have to stop the bleeding at some point. At some point, you have to put your foot in the ground and say, no, this is enough. And that point just hasn't come yet. And to be frank, I don't know if it's going to come. Which is incredible, just incredible, to think we uh, predicted them to go five and six and whatever I said six, six and five six and five six and five. Six and five you said five and seven yeah I said five and six yeah that is not happening clearly at this point. Um, I guess I'll get to my hot take now. My well, second. Do you hot. have anything to say on mine? No, I think you you look exhausted from just saying that. So I'm gonna. It's unbelievable. I mean, God mine kind of plays into yours. Seth is officially on the hot seat, in my opinion. I mean, he's not on the hot seat because he can't get fired. I disagree. I mean, he can't get fired, but I disagree that he can't be on the hot seat. Okay, but what does the hot seat mean if you can't get fired? The hot seat means that people hate you. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've reached that point. <laughs> yeah, that point is gone. If, if he, what I'm been... saying is that every game, Ren is on the sidelines watching these games, and he knows that unless something gets turned around, look, <laughs> because because what? Is, okay, what is what is Charlotte? What is Charlotte? Charlotte and USM or USM Southern Miss haven't have in common. They have two young coaches who have nothing to lose, and they're performing. UTSA Jeff Trailer something to prove. At the end of the day, the willpower and everything has to come from the top, and that's the coaching staff. I mean, you're giving up 710 yards. You're giving up 
last night almost 600 basically 600 yards when this is basic when you said last week was a must win game if that wasn't a must win game this was a must win game and you're not able to get a fourth and one you're not able to get a stop on multiple third downs how many third downs do they have 16 third downs and they got eight of those like what and at the at the end of the day listen this starts at the top and if you can't if if it can't be done, you got you got to move on somehow. And I know that you can't do it now, obviously because of the contract. But this is no longer a gimme year. This is a going into next year because we talked about this in the last podcast. Going into next year, this is a if you don't give me something those first two games, you might be gone. I think that's the point. I think everybody should hold on to is that this went from a year where it was a you know where we said it was kind of a gimme year or a buy year to where a rebuild year in a sense to where we could live with a four and six season, a four and whatever it was. Three win season. Yeah, three, four, five win season. We could live with that. If this team goes two and eight, then we're looking at, then it changes the standards going into next year as far as Latrell is concerned. I think that's the point that people should be making is not fire Latrell now because it's not possible. I don't right. Believe. And that's what I mean Unless when I say they have a stash of money. And that's what I mean when I, I say about. he's on the hot seat. Yeah, right. And that's what I mean when I say he's on the hot seat. It's it's no longer a, this is a gimme year. Let's see. Let's have him play out all next year just to see what happens. If he goes, if he gets four wins, sure. If they continue to playing this bad and they go into next year and they continue to put up these bad results in those in game one or game two against whomever, that's a wrap in my opinion. I th- I think. I think it'll be a little bit more into next year. It'd have to be like a one and four start or something like that. I don't think it'll be game two, um, but I I do I do see I, I I can I can understand from that point. I I don't obviously don't listen to anybody who says you know it's it's over right now or fire him right now, um, but I do agree that it changes standards going into next year because if he just won four or five games this year, it'd be perfectly fine. And next this, year would be the year for and him. and this would be completely different. If last year wasn't such a letdown. Another thing, another thing is that if last year was a good year, then we could live with the three win season, four win season. Because this year. because the problems that they're having this year are the same problems, but they're being amplified because they have lack of talent. Yes. So, um, I can understand that, and I mean he's obviously already been fired in the court of public appeal. So yeah. Um, in the in the public's perception, he's already been fired to them, and that he's no longer you know this this uh young offensive mind that everybody looks to for the future um and it's going to take a lot to change that next year they're going to have to beat smu or they're going to have to beat someone good and again it's i always talk about how it's how you lose if they were one in what are the one in three is yeah. what we just said if yeah. they're one if they were one in three but they didn't give up you know if it looked like you said respectable we're not. We're not having this conversation. UTSA is a prime example for that. They exactly. just lost their last two games by a combined fifteen points against two teams way better than them. Right. And we're looking at them like they're basically five and zero right now. Yep. Like they've been won their first three games, lost to UAB, BYU. Okay. And now we're sitting here. Jeff Trail is tweeting. You know, we lost to conference champs and we lost to uh, a nationally ranked teams, but we're gonna keep fighting. North Texas couldn't even say that if they played BYU. Meanwhile, Seth is saying, let's continue going, running it down the A-gap on 4th and 1. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, it kind of gets into my next point, though. Um, let's get, let's keep it on the trail, though. Let's keep it on the trail. So, Colin, I did some research. Okay. 
I didn't even tell you these numbers when I walked in. You didn't. So, I wanted you to, but you wouldn't. Um, you before the game last night, I was on my computer and I was like, you know what I'm really curious about is I'm I'm curious about Latrell's numbers against the spread. Mm-hmm. So again, for everybody who's maybe unaware, is the spread is what Vegas and where uh, people who gamble or I guess line makers put the line every game. So North Texas against Charlotte was a three point underdog. So Charlotte was favored by three points and North Texas lost by 28. So they did not cover the three point spread, obviously. Um, another example, I guess, would be SMU was favored by 14 and a half points. Okay, North Texas, yeah, North Texas was a 14 and a half point underdog and they lost by 30. So they obviously didn't cover the spread mm-hmm. there either. Um, I looked up his against the spread numbers and they are incredible. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know how good or bad. So here we are. go. Here's the total. If you look, um, I did all five seasons worth. Okay. And he is 22, 31 with two pushes against the spread. So thir- 21, 22, 31 and two. That's already not good. Obviously that's pretty bad. Um, he's seven and 21 in his career as an underdog. So in any game that he's not favored and they're underdogs, he's seven and 21. That's not bad. Seven and twenty-one as an underdog is not bad. Now, I want to reference a point that uh, f- fellow Mingreen twenty-four-seven writer and beloved figure Gabe Brooks talks about a lot. Shout out Gabe Brooks. Mm-hmm. And it is the Louisiana Tech loss after in twenty eighteen after North Texas started off four zero and then the kick got blocked by um, Amik Robertson off the edge. And Louisiana Tech won that game in Apogee Stadium in 2018. From that point on, including that game and on, North Texas is 5-19-1 against the spread. Sheesh. If you are anything under 50%, basically, against the spread, you're not not looking good. He is (laughs) 5-19-1. I'd be interested to know what those I, five games are where they go. Oh, I have them. I okay, have them what, are the, what are those five games where we cover the spread? I have them spread? all up. Okay. So since since that one, here are the only games that they've covered the spread. And Remember, this is the 20... You said this is since 2018? This is since since the Louisiana Tech loss in 2018. Okay. They covered the spread against Southern Miss two games later. They won by 23. Uh, that was an apogee. Um... Then they pushed against FAU later that year. That, that was it for that year. 2019, they went 3-9 against the spread. They covered against Cal. They covered against UTSA. And they covered against UTEP. Okay? Those, so those don't only, even count. Those are the only three. And in the other games, if you... I mean, if you again, again if you look at them, it's like... <laughs> Louisiana Tech is getting 5.5 points and they beat still... Or Louisiana Tech is a mi- minus 5.5 and they beat... North Texas by 35. Like, it's stuff like that. This year, the only game they covered is Houston Baptist, which they were 23-point favorites in, and they won by 26. Other than that, SMU, 14.5-point dogs, lost by 30. 1.5-point dogs to Southern Miss, lost by 10. 3-point dogs, lost by 28 to Charlotte. 5-19-1. And And three of those don't even really count. And think of it this way. Think of it this way. Think of it against the spread this way. Think of it as a way of... Basically, putting these teams at like an even starting position. So, if they say Charlotte is supposed to be three points better than North Texas, basically think of the scoreboard as 3 0 North Texas. B 
because Charlotte is already right. three it's points a handicap. Better. Yes, it's a handicap. Teams are just rolling over North Texas. Like, it's not even like North Texas, let's say Houston. Here's an example. Remember when De'Aaron King, everybody went out last year. The line flipped from Houston favorites to North Texas. Seven and a half point favorites, North Texas. And North Texas goes out and loses by 21. So, if you think of it this way, Houston already had seven and a half points on the scoreboard when the game started. And then they win and won by 21. So they really won by 28 and a half points. If you just look at it that way. It's yeah. just in one way of looking at it. And it's it's time and time again when you look at these numbers, it's like they're staggering. And so since, here's another one. Since Louisiana Tech lost in 2018, North Texas is 0-9 as an underdog. That's interesting too. 0-9 as the, under, as the underdog. And some of these wins are big games. Like they're 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 huge. So UAB, that 2018 season where they lost um lost by two. Remember Mason had the fumble at the end of the game and, and they lost? That's a big game right there. Um Utah State, they were favored in almost every game in 2018, except for uh three Arkansas, UAB, and Utah State. Utah State, again, bowl game, seven point dogs. At least go fight. Lose by 39. 2019. Underdogs against SMU, lose by 22. Underdogs against Southern Miss, lose by 18. Underdogs against La Tech, lose by 35. Underdogs against UAB at, to end the season. Again, Mason finds last game. All these seniors last game, lose by five. SMU, 14-point dogs this season, lose by 30. Charlotte, underdogs, lose by 28. Like, what do those all have in common? They're all blowouts. Mm-hmm. They're not even close. And that's just what it comes back to comes back to the other point that I had is that they're just they're just not even putting up fights. And it's just so weird that you look at the 2017 2016 2017 season, 2016 season they're 7 and 6 against the spread, 5 and 7 as underdogs. 2017 7 5 and 1 against the spread, 1 and 5 as underdogs. Like the underdogs isn't great there, but the against this, the ATS is tremendous. Seven five and one. Twenty eighteen it falls off a little bit. Four eight and one against the spread. Twenty nineteen three and nine against the spread. Right now one and three against the spread. There's nothing more I can say. I think that pretty comfortably shows you that even if you give this team points, it's it's not good enough. All right, Colin. Let's let's move on to questions but actually first I have I have a game for you to play guess the line for North Texas versus Middle Tennessee I feel like they're going to respect North Texas too much mm-hmm. so I'm going to say uh, who's favored that's tough who's favored I feel like they're still going to favor North Texas for some weird reason I'm going to go North Texas like two and a half you're wrong am I that's you're good wrong that's God. good I wanted to be wrong what is it Middle Tennessee is favored by six and a half points. Do they cover? We'll see. They don't cover. We'll see. They don't cover. We'll find out. <laughs> six and a half point favorites. Middle Tennessee is against North Texas. Just incredible. Just absolutely incredible how the public perception of North Texas has drowned. Well, speaking of public perception, oh. time to move on to questions. What a, tra- what a transition. Actually, sorry, to ruin the transition. Damn What's your it. panic meter at? Oh, it's. Are we at 10? We both at 10 now? No, 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 no. You're not at 10? No. Season's not over yet? No, season's not over yet. You were at 8 last week. I'm at, a, I'm at, I'm at, thing is, 
I said, okay, here's the thing. I'll, I'll keep this brief. I said Southern Miss game was a must win for a reason. I said it for a reason. I, I know what I'm talking about, okay? If they didn't win that game, they weren't beating Charlotte. Right. So I, I, I did not expect them to come and beat Charlotte. You had Charlotte win by 14 points for God's sake. No, I know. I just wasn't sure if this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm at eight and a half, nine around there. I'm at a 10. It's done. Wrap it up. Okay. All right. All right. To y'all's questions. We will unfortunately not be answering the hilarious questions that you asked about when does the hurting stop and how can I stop the pain? Tremendous questions. Mostly thank because you. we don't have answers for those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. Thank you, Jared, and thank you, Epizos, for those questions. Um, we'll also not be we'll also uh, not be answering questions about how coaches can look themselves in the mirror. Thank you, I wanted the world for your questions. Um, NTSN, <laughs> questions. Here we go. Who is to blame for the lack of development in some players, uh, young players? That who, Oh, example, so, some young players aren't even close to the top of the depth chart. So who's to blame for the lack of development? So talking about the Murphy brothers and Alex Morris, I guess? Was there any, yeah, anybody else than that? I mean, there's others, but yes. I, I'm not going to give too much blame to the coaches on this, only because you do have young guys still starting right now mm-hmm. and that you're not going to hit on everybody. Obviously, we'd like to... We'd like the Gabriel or the Murphy brothers to play over Kyla Powell. Yeah. But uh, it is what it is at this point. I don't think that's an issue. The, the, they've been playing talent that they've been recruiting. Like Deontay Simpson's been playing. You've been having the offensive linemen play. You, Trey Sigger's played. I mean, you, you have guys playing. So I, I'm not concerned about that at all. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, you're not going to hit on everybody. And not everybody's going to, that's high rated even, or, you know, three star guy is going to come out and be you know, amazing or a starter, even in a lot of situations. So we'll see. Hopefully those guys can turn out to be productive players. They're still young. So we'll yeah. see. But, um, at the moment, I don't know who exactly to blame. So it's kind of just on the players, I guess, to continue to develop. We'll see. Uh, number two, do you think they can win another game this year? They'll win one. Yes. They're going to win one game. They will win another game. They will. win. I one. guarantee it. Who is it though? You can't tell me that. Either. I have no idea. Rice? I think they're just gonna they're just gonna get one. If somehow. Rice forfeits, <laughs> imagine Rice not playing. Um, I think they pick up one somewhere, somehow. Yeah, it's, somewhere. it's gonna be. It's not gonna be a game that we predict a win. I don't. I think. don't know what's gonna happen. Um, how many recruits do y'all think decommit? Um, I think recruiting is interesting in that I don't think it's as contingent on, like people are recruiting. I mean. North Texas had a four and eight season last year, for God's sakes, and they still have a top tier recruiting class in 2021. It's kind of not as contingent on results as you would assume, right? Like if you talk to players, it's kind of just like we love the coaches, and we, it's kind of just like the personal connection, right? In a sense, more than are they nine and three or nine, eight and four. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, if, I mean, I, I haven't looked at like Western Kentucky, but even like when Western Kentucky was winning championships, they weren't like always number one or something it's not direct correlation there so i don't think we're gonna get i mean i'm sure they'll get a couple of decommits just because it's recruiting and you're gonna get a couple more decommits they've already had a few which is somewhat concerning but um if you're asking do you if i think they'll get more decommits now that they're losing i don't think they'll get like a wave of decommits no so um thank you for your questions ntsn um did Latrell make a fantastic? 
Th- uh, I wanted the world back with a question, an actual question. Did uh, Latrell make a mistake not hiring a QB coach or an offensive coordinator? No. Why? Because it would. I think this year would have been the same. I think it would have been the same. Same. Too. I think he's had enough of either, you know, praises being distributed, and then because because uh, what have we said? We just said it a second ago. The talent has masked the the issues. The yeah. same issues are happening last year as they are this year. They you just don't have the talent. I think he needed to know more than anything else is like, all and, right, and I think we all need to know. Can as well. I do this? Yeah, at an elite level, and then if I can, then I can go to whoever, whatever school, and be like, I'm the head coach, offense coordinator, and quarterbacks coach, and I put up an offense that is doing this, or I put up a team that won seven games right. with limited talent. I think he wanted to know more than anyone else, and that's why it's... Now, is that a mistake? I still don't I mean, maybe it it's a mistake for, from his perspective, but... But I don't know if it's a mistake I think in the grand scheme of things. You hired Bodie Reader last year, and what did you get? Nothing else. Yeah, and I think in, it's year five, for God's sakes. I think he wants to know if he's good at this or not. Yeah. And I mean, there's still going to be opportunities to prove that. I mean, regardless, and I'm sure even if it doesn't work out in North Texas, he'll get opportunities elsewhere to figure it out. But at some point, you want to know where you stand. I right. Guess, in a sense. Thank you for your question. Um, Jeff asked if we've seen any improvement since the season started. Um, I guess, do you want to answer like, have, I mean, the have, only th- have you seen anybody? The only thing I would say would they have a quarterback now. That is improving. I mean, everything has been the same. Offensive line. Outside of the offensive line's been good all year. And quarterback. Jalen Darden. I mean, yeah. there you go. Outside of that, every week we've and that's why we didn't talk a whole lot earlier about stuff. It's just the same thing every week. Exactly. All right. Thank you for your question. Hmm. Let's see what else we got here. Uh oh, we definitely have more. Here we go. All right, CMCM Forever asked, why has Ren Baker gone dark this season? He has been extremely distant, which I don't think we need to answer much because I think Ren Baker never really talks that much. Yeah, he doesn't. However, he is usually more a little more prominent, I guess, but it's easy to be prominent when you're winning, right? Yeah. Like and if you're I winning, mean, I'm going – if I'm winning, I'm going out there and I'm waving to everybody. Second on that, it's also like this season's circumstances with COVID and everything. Exactly. Like it's not the same. Exactly. It's not the same. Um, does North Texas have the money for a buyout? What's the situation there? We've kind of covered that already, but I don't believe that they have the money for a buyout. And you went over this in the last podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I, I really don't think it's happening anytime soon. Um, thank you for your questions. Uh, Casey, we've already talked about that. What would it take for Luchel to be removed as head coach? We've kind of talked about that already. So it's going to take either a strange influx of money. Or um, wait till the mid-season of next year. Seth probably. buying himself out. <laughs> Seth leaving. Seth demoting himself. Demoting himself. Um, I will be defensive coordinator. Taylor asks, uh, what can fix this, if anything? If we're blaming it on the coaches, nothing other than a coaching change. I don't think anything can. I think this is basically who this team is right now. Yeah. Um. If if Mason Fine never rolled through North Texas, would we be having? Would we have had any good season in the Latrell era? Another thing we've kind of talked about a lot in past episodes, um, about how Mason Fine kind of expedited. Yeah, I mean he expedited, everything. but I don't think we talked about the if he wasn't here, and if he wasn't here, I don't think it matters. He was here. Yeah, know? I mean. Yeah, because I mean, again, and you have to credit Latrell in that he did find him and he developed him and he right. developed around him the offensive talent to to 
pair with him. So I, I think um, it's it's not a it's not a big question, but we can talk about how it did kind of obviously help him jumpstart this program. Yeah, in a sense. Thank you for your question. <laughs> will the pain go away? What will make the pain go away, Colin? Nothing. Will a middle middle Tennessee win do it? No. We're, It'd be like a band aid. A band aid over a freaking knife wound over like an amputated leg yeah <laughs> it's like that commercial where the kid goes mom i fell she's like grab a band-aid she's like it's bleeding she's like grab two there you go that's what this that's what this one would be i think it would be two band-aids or one two because they've already fallen now Twice. they're bleeding now they're bleeding <laughs> every loss from here is just more blood pouring out <laughs> oh, okay not to get graphic on you but that's what it is oh man all right Colin. you have anything else i do not okay let me make sure i have nothing else north texas had five rushing first downs and 15 passing first downs charlotte had 11 and 11 guess uh and take on take that what you will (laughs) take what you will oh, oh oh also also we do prop bets now, or maybe not now. I don't know how often we'll do them. And there's also no bet. really big betting. I did a prop bet for the uh, Charlotte game. I posted seven prop bets that I made up, and I said I was going to shout out whoever won. And um, Colin, congratulations. You got five <laughs> of the six right because we're not counting the Katie Davis one because he got injured. Five of the six right. Colin, congratulations. Of our four entrants, you are the winner. Check out Mean Green 24-7. If you haven't already, we will post those probably on Thursdays to have some fun, interact with y'all, and uh, get a shout-out on the podcast. Do I get a plaque? So I don't have to shout-out Colin anymore. Please, don't make me shout-out Colin anymore. Um, but check out Mingreen 24-7 for your daily North Texas content. We cover recruiting, basketball, football. Basketball is going to start up pretty soon as well. We'll have you covered out there. Um but subscribe to Mean Green 24-7. You know, $1 for the first month if you do a monthly subscription and 30% off, I believe, right now for the yearly subscription. Um, so become a subscriber. We greatly appreciate it. Follow us on SoundCloud at Bruni's Breakdown Podcast. Follow us, uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts as well. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Please, please, please leave us a five-star rating and review. We greatly appreciate it. We're up to 37 still. I think we're still at 37. We've been at 37, but... Drop us a rating and a review if you like it. Five stars only, please, and thank you. Um, What else am I forgetting? Oh, Twitters. Follow Colin on Twitter at CJH Mitchell. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. And follow Mean Green 24-7. That's our main Twitter, at Mean Green 24-7. Um, if you have any points you want to discuss further, you know, we our Twitters are always open. We're always willing to engage. And we thank you all for listening and joining us after this difficult, difficult weekend. The pain will end eventually. There you go. So thank you all for joining us, and we'll talk to you all later.